Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And more El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. It's young. Crowd full Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins! 1-0 Villa! Villa's a big club, mate, so... Gather round, villains, and welcome to a very special episode of Gather Round the Lamp, our Villa podcast by underagaslitlamp.com, sponsored by Manscaped. Not only shall we be looking back at the Man City and Leicester matches from last week, before looking ahead to Steven Gerrard's much-anticipated return to Anfield this weekend, but we, sh- we shall be doing it, not in the usual transatlantic hall, but in the plush surroundings of the Birmingham podcast studio, face-to-face, in the same room, would you believe it? I'm Andy, and today, in person, making his long-awaited return to Birmingham, it's Craig. Woo-woo-woo-woo-woo! Yes, it is. We are here live in person. I have not been home for two years uh, for, uh, obviously, uh, COVID reasons. I'm not, not alone. Um, so for me to be back in Birmingham is incredible. I'm literally walking around the city giddy. Um, even though the weather's terrible, the people are always wonderful. And um, I'm just honestly so grateful, so happy to be back, and so happy to be recording in person here at the uh, uh, Birmingham Podcast Studios. Yeah, it's great to finally meet you. We've been talking every week for the last 10 or 11 months. We've been like uh, uh, pen pals or transatlantic lovers, but without the sex. (laughs) So Yeah, we'll see how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) But firstly, um, we'll we'll, we'll get on to the football and we'll talk about last Wednesday as, as Villa welcomed the champions Manchester City to Villa Park. And also a kind of welcome... Uh, for the returning hero, depending on your particular viewpoint of, uh, of Jack Grealish uh, coming back to the club. It was a fr- frustrating first half as Villa found themselves squeezed back, defending on their 18-yard line for much of the first 45 minutes before going two goals down to great strikes, really, by uh, Ruben Diaz and Bernardo Silva. Um, we won't dwell too much on this game because we've got the, the Leicester game to go through as well, but this half seemed like a chastening reminder, really, of the gap in the quality um, that exists between the top of the Premier League and the rest. Yeah, I think the, the first half in particular, Andy, there was a real gap. There was a real divide in quality. I think that you know our, our players just really weren't at the races, particularly for the first um, 10, 15 minutes or so. It was like they were shell, shell-shocked. Man City are one of the best club teams in world football you have to say so we have to also understand where they are compared to where we are we are a team that did lose five games in a row you know Manchester United losing five games in a row is inconceivable we are a team that finished 11th in the Premier League and we are a team just in our third year uh, 14 games into our third season back in the Premier League after three years in the wilderness of the championship of the championship and then probably another six or five or six years circling the, the plug hole in the Premier League when we were not even slightly competitive you know we used to have a player called Grant Holt up front Andy I don't know if you remember that so we have to you know try and understand and imagine the um, the uh, intricacies and difficulties of that and we also have to consider 
that Man City are so, so, so good. So, But in the end, we really pulled it around, I think, in the second half, obviously. We were unlucky maybe not to even get, get away with a draw in the end with the uh, young Chokwemenka after we spoke about him last week <laughs> and his contract deliberations, um, missing what was probably a very, very good chance for maybe Tavilla to grab a point. Yeah, I mean, like you say, the, the second half was a, an entirely different story altogether, really. The first half, I think my main takeaway was actually I was quite impressed with how the, the, the team, the players kind of continued with the game plan really they didn't revert to any kind of uh, route one or any kind of hoof ball or anything like that which certainly the crowd were asking for <laughs> about halfway through yeah um, that was weird that was wasn't it yeah but they they they, they, they kept it, kept going um, with the game plan and second half they came out and it was it was entirely different um, and started really well as a, a perfectly executed corner led to, to Ollie Watkins with a smart finish at the near post, um, uh, getting onto Dougie Louise's corner, um, Villa then had a had a platform uh, to take the game to Man City, um, who at times looked quite rattled. I thought, and Villa were were unlucky not to to draw level, as you said, with uh, substitute Carney Chukwemeka, um, as he was de- denied by Edison after a lovely build up, and also we had a, a penalty shout waved away. Also, I'm not sure what your your opinion on that was um, but it was argu- arguably the most encouraging half of football so far under Gerard um, how did you see it yeah I think it was it was so encouraging because again as I mentioned earlier Man City are so good they are absolutely supreme um, the players the, the, the biggest difference that I noticed amongst the team the two teams was the first touch of the players like our players you know some of them in particular without naming names Matt Cash uh, Ollie Watkins they can have a bit of a cinder block of a first touch Whereas the Man City players, they're not just killing the ball with the first touch. They're also manoeuvring it in the same motion uh, onto their preferred foot and angling for a pass or, or angling away from an opponent, opponent. And we saw that with, with, with Jack Grealish, who you mentioned earlier, who, who I'll ask you about in a second. Um, I'm going to turn interviewer because I, I want to know what it was like in, in the ground. But let's, let's get back to that. So there is such a golfing class. So when you can go head to head with a team like Man City, and when you can push them as we did, I think it is the most impressive thing because it's it's it was less than two years ago we got absolutely smashed, you know, six one against the same opposition. For so, and for us to run them even close and for us to be competitive and for us to be coming away from that game having, um, you know, been one potential uh, penalty, which I think, you know, the penalty shout. I think if it happens to Man City player, it gets given. It's one of those, isn't it? It's one of them. Um, whereas the, the Chukwemenko one, lovely move, Buendia, who we'll talk about in some more detail later on, he always seems to play in a wonderful ball at least once a game. Like he can be a bit ropey, he can give the ball away, but he does something magical once a game and and he, he puts through this ball. Chukwemenko obviously um, um, maybe should do better there. But what you're talking about there is running the champions close and I think that, that Gerard seemed galvanised after the game. Um, and, and I was galvanised after the game as well. Um, lots of Villa fans talking about that being a, the, the best defeat that they've ever watched. But I want to talk about Jack Grealish. You were there, Andy. Um, I wasn't there. You were there in person. You saw the floppy-haired prince with the biscuit shins return to Aston Villa. Um, and he was a substitute, which which also felt like a bit of rubbing salt in the wounds. It's like... Uh, we, you know, Man City, we signed this player for 100 million. He was the heart and soul of your team. We don't really need him. We're just going to put him on the bench. Um, and then he comes on, and uh, it's fair to say there was 
a uh, strong reaction. How how was it from your point of view? Well, it was it was very mixed. It was a very mixed reaction, which I, which I kind of expected. You know, I was talking to some people before the game, and you know, there was a mixed kind of thing of people saying, well, they wouldn't they wouldn't automatically boo Jack Grealish, but obviously there was there was quite a lot of sort of ill feeling as well. I think amongst the fans and. Um, certainly, the, 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 it was more evident from certain parts of the ground that he was getting quite a good reception, particularly walking out along the, the Trinity Road stand there. He was getting a good reception as he came out um, from the tunnel and when he was warming up. That's where well. all the old ladies sit. Yeah, that's, <laughs> the, that's the family. It's stand. also where I used to have my season <laughs> tickets, so I'm not hating on the Trinity Road stand. That's where I sat for years. Yeah, me too. But. Um, but then there was obviously booing more, more so from the Holt end, uh, which I think is par for the course. Look, you know, what, why should we go and, and cheer and support um, opposition players, for, for one thing? Um, he has left us in kind of acrimonious circumstances. Um, and I think Guardiola said it well, where he said it's, it's perhaps a bit of a sign of the, the love that's there as well. You know, we're, we're disappointed that he's... He's not there. Yeah, it's, if, it, if it, people don't care, they don't react at all, do they? Exactly. I mean, no one's going to be kicking up too much of a fuss if uh, if um, Grant Holt comes strolling back in, or I don't know, like uh, Tommy Elphick. I think he's retired too, but two really bad examples there. Well, I'll give you one example. Le- Leandro Bakuna didn't have any re- kind of reaction when he, when he <laughs> Well, was he's gone off to play Champions League football, hasn't he? And yeah, he's, so, he's gone uh, to progress himself. Yeah, so it is, and and I think. I remember thinking before the game that if if yeah there'll be some booing, but I think if he if he comes to the whole end after the match, um, I think he'll get a good reception. I think by and large he did. He got as good a reception as he could have expected. I think. Um, well, yeah. What do you think of some of the, the media outlets? Uh, some of the guys on Talksport, some of the guys on some of the other uh, radio shows, uh, the, the, the Five Live, uh, some of the Five Live guys, and some of the kind of talking heads on Sky Sports have absolutely hammered. Aston Villa fans, the ones that did boo, and some of you listening may may be amongst them. So, what did you make of those kind of um, kind of outlashing, saying, you know, you, the Villa fans are ungrateful. Jack Grealish did all he could for the club. How dare you boo him? What do you expect? Of course, he's going to move to Man City. What did you think of some of that? I mean, I'm, I'm generalising, but that was kind of the narrative that was thrown at the Villa fans. What did you make of that? Well, I think you you just got to accept that people from the outside are going to have a totally different view. I mean, you know, I, I don't I don't buy it. I think they they don't really understand. I mean, it was Clinton Morrison. I think was was one of them. Yeah, he was one of them. Yeah. So I mean, he's a blue nose anyway. So don't, don't well, he's listen. a bit of a journeyman. He played for so many clubs. I'm not sure he can claim affinity to anyone. No, exactly. But no, I, I I don't I don't listen to it too much. It's disappointing because you know at the end of the day, people should have um, most people understand that from a football fan's point of view on some level so um, it was, it's disappointing but look it was by no means um, the uh, very hostile reaction I was expecting mm. um, it was very half and half it was a bit tepid in many ways and there was some booing but you can always hear booing over clapping can't you so it, it probably sounded worse than it was really I think it was very split and you can and, um, I think it's out the way now I think we've we've you know we've done it we've moved on um, like I said on previous podcasts um, part of the the process of replacing a player like that who's so so dominant within a club is is to actually evolve the team um, to the to the point where Jack Grealish was never part of that. 
And the first step of that has been changing the manager. And <laughs> you know, oh. Stephen Gerrard has, has never had to deal with not having Jack Grealish. Has no, he? Well, um, he's never had a Jack Grealish. Although yeah. um, I, 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 there is, there is, there is. There, I mean, we we have talked about Jack Grealish, but for, for me, I, I, it's like a. Um, if he hadn't have come out and said, and I, we've talked about this before on the pod, so I won't belabor the point. If he hadn't have come out with all that garbage, my club, my city, oh, you know, when I spoke to the owner on Zoom or Skype or whatever it was, and he sold me the vision and I decided I was going to sign for another five years, which was all a, a cock and bull story. Mm-hmm. It turns out he only didn't leave because Man United didn't bid for him, as he subsequently admitted. Yeah. So if he hadn't have done that kind of nonsense, if he had said something along the lines of, yeah, you know, we we just need to got relegated this season. Obviously, I've got European ambitions, but I'm going to, you know, I'm, I think we can do it with the club. I'm going to try and give us another year. Mm-hmm. We would all have been, probably, not all of us, but most of us, I think, would have been a bit more receptive to that idea because he's kind of planting the seed and saying, we're going to try and get European football. I want to play European football, Aston Villa. I'm going to give it another year. And then when we didn't get Europe, as we were never really going to get Europe, I mean, it's always highly unlikely, a year after surviving by a point, it was improbable at best, you know, probably he would have left with some more best wishes. But I, I think there's some mis- there's some context missing. But Jack Grealish has moved on and, and we've moved on. And now we've got an even bigger name in Steven Gerrard. Yeah, that's that's certainly the case. And, you know, like we say, he's, he's, he's made a, a tremendous start. And this was a game, I think, where um, he really kind of went toe-to-toe with um, with Guardiola. And second half, I was, I was, I was so impressed. Um by by how Villa took the game to City really. Getting the early goal helped, but but thereafter they, they you know they, they tried to play City at their at their game and like I say I think they had we had them rattled um for part what, of the game. What was the boon about with the with the Villa were trying to beat the press, obviously uh with playing out from the back, Martinez, you know, Man City were literally putting six players forward. So once you get around those six players, you've got You've got a, a mismatch, you know, um, and 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 Villa were able to break a few times quite well doing that. But the fans in the stadium were booing. What was that about? Um, well, I think it was frustration. I think it was a bit of anxiety um, <laughs> because City had us pegged back right right to our eighteen yard line. And I think when you see when you see those kind of um, overloads, um, certainly out wide, it's it's. It's, it, it provokes anxiety, I think, in the in the ground because you think they're just walking through us here. But in fact, they weren't because Villa were really well set up. They were really well, um, uh, really compact at the back. So while City were getting to 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 the edge of our area quite easily, they weren't then getting through and they weren't really creating chances. And the two goals they scored. Were excellent goals, weren't they? They were. They, they were very, very well taken goals. I'm. I'm looking at. I mean, I mean, I'm looking at Matt Target. I think he's. I think he's bottled that. I think old JT puts his head on that. You know, uh, Matt Target kind of was close enough. It looks like he's kind of. He was like a, he had a turtleneck, didn't he? He was like not as in the not as in he put on a sweater <laughs> while he was playing, as in he's. He's he's almost put his head into his shell, mm. um, which I can kind of understand. Obviously, concussions are real, and uh, yeah. the the football crisis with uh, with with Alzheimer's and heading the football is is not going away. But um, so I can kind of understand. But you know, there is yeah. there was some 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 stuff there. I think. But uh, and and the second goal, we're going to talk about this. I think later on, Matt Cash and his and his crossing. I think he had a couple of occasions on Man against Man City, and certainly a couple of occasions against. Uh, 
the most recent game against Leicester, where he just seems to have a bit of a lead foot, Andy. Mm. It, it needs probably half the power that he's giving it, yeah. and he seems to be smashing it as hard as he can. And that, and that was another opportunity. He's clear uh, that the second Man City goal, and he's he's passed it to no one, crossed it to no one, which is, is becoming a bit of a theme um, in some in some in some of Cash's way. And then Man City break on us and score, but you know. There is a lot to do there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not blaming yeah. Cash for the goal. Yeah. Man City had a lot to do from there, and it, and it was a splendid finish. But um, Villa got caught on the transition because, you know, Matt Cash gave it away, basically. I, I'd always prefer a player to do what a Man City player would do in that instance. If you're not sure that there's someone available, keep the ball, check back, restart. But um, anyway, that didn't happen. So Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it was a, a very encouraging second half, as I say. And, you know, the... the the um, the football we were playing, I think, was 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 impressive, and you could see that we weren't just um, we didn't go into damage limitation mode mode at all. Um, so I mean, like you say, I think that's right. I think there were fans leaving the ground actually quite pleased, even though we we had obviously lost. And I think obviously winning the two games before helps with that <laughs> yes, because it does. you know you've got a little bit of a cushion. Um, from that, but you know, certainly there was there was a lot of optimism. I think, particularly with the second half performance, and um, you know, we took we took that into the into the Leicester game. Um, Gerard's Gerard's men, um, you know, took on took on Gerard's old manager uh, Brendan Rodgers um, as Leicester City came to Villa Park on Sunday afternoon, um, and Villa were looking to to bounce back from the Man City defeat. Um, there were some some absentees for this one. Uh, Matt Target had sustained a head injury in the Man City game, and Leon Bailey was out also um, with, with with injury as as he seems to be. Leon actually. the Leon Leon the Biscuit Bailey. Yeah, Mister Mister Poppadom. Um, he was out, and Ashley Young came in at left back. Um, another position for Ashley Young. Uh, Jake and Ramsey filling in for for Bailey in the front three. Um, the bench also had a, had a youthful look with um, Tim Irugbanum, Irugbanum, something like that, joining regulars uh, Chukwemeka and, and Philogene Bedais uh, amongst the substitutes. Um, there were some some big players missing still, but Gerard seems happy to um, to rotate and, and provide these opportunities for for young players and you know also like Morgan Sanson returning as well. Um, you know when when they've they've earned the opportunity. Yeah, it does seem like um, he uh, Gerard that is is changing the team. You know, uh, some sometimes enforced, but um, so, sometimes not enforced. You know, he did um, drop Danny Ings. Um, Danny Ings hasn't been since since he did uh, rest Jacob Ramsey um, in in midweek, and and we have seen Morgan Sanson. Also interesting since Chukwemenka, uh, the Chukwemenka news made the uh, made the headlines. Um, he's suddenly. <laughs> found himself coming on in, in both games. Maybe a coincidence, maybe not. But what we seem to be what seems to be happening with Gerard is he is happy to change players. He is happy to use the squad. And I like that. I think that's a way to keep a squad happy. You know, uh, we've spoken before under the previous regime, there were always players that were going to start kind of regardless, whereas it seems as though Gerard is more more willing to 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 move some pieces around his uh, his Aston Villa chessboard. But again, Villa have been have had a shocker with injuries. We still haven't seen Traore. Uh, people, and he's been forgotten about. Traore was our 
second or third most important attacker last season, uh, probably after Watkins and Grealish, and obviously my beautiful baby boy, uh, Anwar Al-Golzi. You know, he was a real source of creativity from the wing, scored some wonderful goals, not least that lovely one he rolled into corner against uh, West Brom, which might be my favourite Villa goal in the last few years. Love that finish. Uh, Bertrand Troyer hasn't been seen. Daniel Betridge's best mate, Trezeguet, uh, just returned to action uh, last night uh, for the under-23, scoring a penalty. Um, so he hasn't been seen. Sanson, obviously, we know about his his, his ongoing issues. Um, Biscuit Bailey um, has not been able to put a run of form together. Buendia's been out. Martinez has been missing with Argentina nonsense. Um, even Conza had to serve suspension. So for, for both Smith and Gerard. There's been an incredible amount of of bad luck with with injuries, and and it just seems that um, it seems that the squad is going to be needed, and and with marvelous Trezeguet and Traore out the door, presumably in January for the African Cup of Nations, it, it is you know we're in Harry Redknapp bare bones territory, Andy. Yeah, it does seem like that, doesn't it? Every every week there's three or four. <clears throat> players missing and they're kind of rotating um, yeah I mean it is easy to forget players isn't it um, particularly when you, you see the front three and you see it lining up quite nicely really I think Buendia's coming back into form and um, obviously you know Jacob Ramsey you know is is, is getting better and better I, I, I think Watkins is leading the line so you kind of you kind of forget about you know the fact that you've got a thirty million pound sort of Danny Ings, um, not quite, not quite fit enough to to play. Well, I mean, the, the the thing with Danny Ings is it's not like we didn't know that he had ongoing injury issues. So I kind of feel like Villa. You know, you almost get what you pay for there. If you buy someone like Ings, who has a terrible injury record uh, throughout his whole career, you have to almost accept and expect him to have continue to have a terrible injury record because those things don't improve as you move into your 30s you know I, you know, I can tell you that um, it only gets worse <laughs> so for any of our listeners in their, in their teens or, or 20s let me tell you any niggles you've got now wait till you be wait, wait till you're walking through Digbeth on a uh, Tuesday afternoon in the snow everything <laughs> everything feels sore but anyway I digress so, so someone like Danny Ings you know you can't really excuse that but someone like uh, Leon Bailey someone like uh, you know he's never had injury problems before and so all of a sudden he's, he's turned into a popperdom as you yeah. mentioned yeah yeah that's the disappointing thing isn't it and I think but even even Danny Ings I think you know they'd say Southampton fans would probably tell you that the last year or so he, he, he hasn't really had, had too many problems so um, that's a it's it's disappointing, but equally, you know, it gives it gives Ollie Watkins a run, and I think I've been re- very impressed with, with with Watkins over the last um, the last few games. Oh, Watkins, um, a word for Watkins in the Man City game. What Watkins was excellent in the Man City game. It was like the reverse of the Crystal Palace performance. I think Crystal Palace, every ball was bouncing off him. He couldn't hold it up. Man City was the exact opposite. He looked he looked like a he looked like a gazelle up there. Like he looked like a proper proper top footballer, whereas sometimes he can look a bit, you know, yeah. he can look a bit league two, can't he? Well, the, it's that first touch, isn't it, that yeah. kind of can can get away from him at times, and and like you say, is that, he, that can make him. But yeah, I mean, the, the the last the last couple of games, he's 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 been great. But I mean, in this game, um, Leicester made a, a positive start to the match, having the majority of the ball and looking dangerous, especially down the, their left as Harvey Barnes. Uh, gave Matty, Matty Cash plenty to think about. Then it was Harvey Barnes who made the breakthrough very early on in the game. 
um, as he uh, with a, a, a neat sort of pass finish into the into the corner past Martinez. However, Villa responded well, and only a few minutes later, um, a corner was headed back across goal, and Emi Buendia headed into the corner of the net. It was finally given though to um, to, to to Esri Konza after it, there was a VAR check as well, and and Esri Konza was um, was awarded the goal. I think he got got uh, a quarter of a stud on on the ball, and and it and it and it and he claimed it. So uh, that was his goal. Um, what did this response tell you though about about the menti- mentality that's kind of been instilled by Gerard so far? I think it tells you that you know it's it's an elite mentality and it's a winning mentality. I think any time you can come from behind and and beat a team like Leicester, it's really impressive. And we should have won by more. We'll get onto that in a minute. But I think that Steven Gerrard. I mean, a lot's been made of this uh, quote unquote winning mentality, and that winning mentality is really key in terms of his demeanour, the way he carries himself. He just, you know, if you believe in like frequencies and vibrations, like Gerard just vibrates at a kind of level of a top, top sportsman, like a really top sportsman, someone who's been at the top of their field. You can see it sometimes with elite boxers or Olympians. There's just something about people, whatever field it is, that get to the very, very top of their field. They just have something in them that, that the rest of us may or may not have that really drives them. And it doesn't matter how much money they have. It doesn't matter how much, quote-unquote, success they have. They're just still as hungry as ever. Um, because it's really easy, I think, when you get a bit of success to settle. But you can see that Gerard is someone who doesn't settle for anything. Even after the Leicester game, I loved how he was saying, oh, no, there was things we need to improve. And there was. Because I have to tell you, that first half was as bad as Wolves uh, in the last 10 minutes. It was as bad as that Watford game where we conceded those stupid goals to, to Saar. Uh, where Matt Target, uh, bless him, you know, he wasn't fit. And um, it was as bad as anything we saw under Dean Smith. There were gaps everywhere. And, and Leicester really, if they were in any kind of form, should have punished us a lot more in that first half because it was it was diabolical, frankly. I, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Well, I mean, I mean, from my from my perspective, I, I, I don't know if that quite came across. I was, I remember feeling quite frustrated <clears throat> at times during the during the half. Um, and and I did think that you know we we might be in trouble really. We, it didn't feel like we were quite quite on the pace of the game, and 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 like you say, Leicester were finding spaces. But again, I don't know. I never found. I never felt particularly like our defence was was being breached um, too much. I felt we were we were keeping a good shape and remaining quite compact um, during that that half. And and we you know we were kind of you know. At times, getting on the ball and getting forward as well. Um, so I think the, the the goal definitely came at a good time for us. I think to respond quickly and be able to kind of get back level was was really important, given given how we how we'd started the game. Um, yeah, and and not quite so controlled, but but certainly still still with that basis. I thought. Um, 
Yeah, I think I well, I you you were there, and as you may be, you know, I was, I was watching it on TV, and I was screaming obscenities. I um I I couldn't make it to to Leicester game. I'll, I'll explain I'll explain why later in the in the Manscaped commercial. But there is a uh, there is a there was there was definitely a feeling that we were wide open. We were getting caught in transition again in the first half. Anyway, at least that's how it came across to me. But um, I'll defer to your better judgment as you were in the you were in the stands, Andy. You were there. You you know you could smell the bovril if they still sell that there. I, I might have just been in denial. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let, let, let's face it. I, no, I wouldn't defer to my uh, to my judgment. But certainly, I just felt it was it was you know I, perhaps I just feel more confident in our defence again, and 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 certainly um, you know that they looked to, to be to be fairly. Um, you know, fairly well well organised. Although, you know, like you say, there were some hairy moments there. But there was another incident in the half, of course, when uh, just before the break, Villa Villa thought they'd taken the lead as Leicester keeper Casper Schmeichel spilled the ball, at J- and Jacob Ramsey fired the ball home from close range. Frustratingly, uh, this one went to VAR, and Michael Oliver chalked it off, claiming Schmeichel had the ball under control. Therefore. It was a foul on him. Um, this rule does definitely exist. We've had uh, Dan Betridge um, dig up the, the the rule book for us, um, and and uh, and yeah, certainly he certainly um, it, it certainly is there. But but talk talk me through this, and and was Ramsey a bit hard done by here, or, or would you be annoyed to see that given? Kind of against Villa in similar circumstances. Well, we were we did have one given against us in in obscenely different circumstances when old Kalinic, who I mean, I think that was part of the reason why he found himself only playing three games. Uh, Billy Sharp and the Sheffield, the famous Sheffield United game a couple of years yeah. ago, uh, Kalinic had two hands on the ball, and uh, Billy Sharp kicked it through and uh, scored a goal. Um, Fortunately, Andre Green was to, able to to, 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 to to fix all that later on. Uh, this wasn't that. Uh, for me, it was an absolute scandal. Um, I've seen the rule. Um, I, I've seen Dermot Gallagher popping up on Sky and other 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 outlets to talk about how the rule that that is the rule. But he seemed to completely disregard the second part of the rule, which says none of this applies if the ball rebounds off the goalkeeper or the goalkeeper makes a save. Now, Peter, Schme- Peter Schmeichel, no, Peter Schmeichel wasn't there. Casper uh, Schmeichel made a save from a Matty Cash uh, cutback. I want to talk about that more in a second. Uh, he palms it out, and no one else touches the ball in between him uh, 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 and in between Schmeichel making that save and putting his hand on the top of the ball. Now, I tweeted this when the the, the angles and the slow mo did no did no favors to Aston Villa. When Schmeichel puts his hand on that football, that football is still in motion. The ball had slowed, but we don't know that it would have stopped dead because they fro- they froze it. The ball may have squirmed out. The ball may have uh, came out a little bit, you know, either way, or been, you know, he may have had a fingertip, you know, on a greasy surface. And obviously, he's not got his body weight on it because his body weight is on the floor. It's just his the weight of his hand and his arm. So the ball was still in motion. We don't know that that ball wouldn't have squirmed out. So there's no way that it was under his control, particularly as the rule states that once a goalkeeper touches it, all of that other stuff is, is nonsense anyway. So they got it wrong. I think they tried to be cute and clever, and then no one has come out and explained, you know, and, and this isn't the first time this happened to Villa. 
we'll all remember, uh, was it last season where Man City, they, they changed a rule just so Man City could score a goal and then the Premier League came out literally, I think, less than 12 hours later and said, oh, no, no, that wasn't the rule. That was a mistake. Well, too late for Aston Villa, we, we, we lost the game. It was nil-nil at that point uh, for people keeping score. We also had the nonsense with uh, Kevin Friend in that Crystal Palace game. Uh, where he blew the whistle before Henry Lansbury, remember him, scored that goal, which cost us a point. Uh, remembering that we stayed up by a point, so that point would have been very important. Obviously, the Hawkeye stuff gets gets mentioned, but you know, for me, the Hawkeye thing was cancelled by that Lansbury goal anyway, because we deserved a point there. Lansbury was the last kick of the game. And I think there was even one against uh, uh, Burnley, where Wesley's foot was in the same place as the defender's foot, and it was a Jack Grealish header. And it was chopped off because Wesley's foot happened to be bigger than genuinely. This, I mean, it sounds nonsensical, doesn't it? Wesley's foot happened to be bigger, even though their heels were in the same place. Wesley's foot happened to be bigger than the defenders. And that was offside for against Aston Villa. So not to mention all the, the penalties against Man United where Fernandes has fouled Konza, where uh, tr- Pogba's tripped over himself. You know, we have been on the, we, we get, and, and I'm sure most fans feel this, but I can document. <laughs> we at Aston Villa get a raw deal, and this was a raw deal. I don't think anyone in the world thought it was a foul. No one claimed for it in the Leicester side. Schmeichel was very clever, holding his hand and rolling around in agony because he's, he's planted the seed there. If he had got up and started shouting, I think that would have been given us a goal. Um, it was absolutely a goal, and I feel sorry for Jacob Ramsey. Was that at the whole end, or was it at the, the north it was, end? It was at the other end. Uh, well, even so, it's yeah. his first goal at Villa yeah. Park. A local lad, you know, done good. And it's been taken away from him, and, and, and for me, Villa were robbed. That was a lengthy diatribe, wasn't it? No, but I, I think you're right, and I think you, you've made you made the points there that I think we all, we all feel at times. Um and I think I think where VAR is concerned and, and where the refereeing generally is concerned, um, I think some of the optimism that we felt earlier in the season when, you know, decisions were kind of they were allowing the game to flow a little bit more. They they were they weren't being so nitpicky with with offsides and with, with these really borderline um niggly decisions. Um, that seems to over the last couple of weeks just started to to creep back in again, and perhaps they need another reset. Really, of actually, you know, certainly with the offsides, I think there was one at the weekend. Uh, uh, Richarlison. Richarlison, yeah, yeah, that was last night, and you know, it's it's that kind of thing which which you know people do find very frustrating, and and they need to really look at that again, I think, and uh, and that sort of thing. But in all honesty, with this Ramsey one. I was at the other end of the pitch. I I couldn't see really what was going on. Having said that, I didn't actually stand up out of my seat. I just had a feeling that it wasn't going to count, ah. you know. And it felt like then he was running behind the goal and celebrating. I thought, oh, maybe he's going to give it. And then I just thought, no. As soon as it went to VAR, I thought, no, there's something, well, there's something fishy here. The, we we know the fix is in. As soon as the we we run the the, the beneficiaries of a correct VAR VAR VAR, VAR correction uh, uh, with Doug Louise's red card against Crystal Palace. But we all know now the the fix is in. Once the ref goes to that monitor, it's it's theatre. It's just a commercial for the VAR system. The decision's already been made and it's going to be overturned, you know. Mm. We know what's happening once he goes to the screen. So as soon as he's going to that screen, uh, you know, I knew as a TV viewer that, that the game, that the goal was chopped and I was furious. Yeah, yeah, because as well, they don't really allow the ref to, to, to see 
to see the the, the the incident from the angles they want to see it. They 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 show the the ref what what they want the ref to look at. Yeah, they? Whereas, in a way that they want them to to, yeah. to rule. Whereas if you, I don't know if you watch rugby, and I don't like comparing rugby. I, I don't. With, with but football. go on. <laughs> But the, the the ref will will stand there by the big screen, they, on the actual big screen at the ground, and he will be asking, "I want to see it from this. I want to see it from that angle." Show oh, so me he that chooses. Again. Well, that sounds more sensible. You know, and, and 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 that way he can make the best decision. But he is can, that a timing thing? Does that take a long time takes, to do that? It can take ages. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> that that might be why. But I think that after the Euros, um, you know, the the Premier League and the PGMOL if that is how you say it, we're getting absolutely hammered because we were all watching the Euros and it was refereed flawlessly, mm-hmm. um, pretty much. And the game was allowed to flow and it was and it was beautiful. It was like, okay, this is, this is proper football again. And then the Premier League started in the same vein. But as you say, the, 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 little, the little pen pushes over there, the little, you know, the little jobs worth are beginning to feel like they're not getting enough, enough attention and starting to try and make the game about themselves again. So I hope there's a reset. I hope there's a rethink. And I hope that um, because you always want to give anyway the, the benefit of the doubt to the attacker, you always want to do that. And um, Villa, as the attacking team, were not given the benefit of the doubt there. I don't think Brendan Rodgers would have even mentioned it in his post match, you know, as a, as a foul. I, no one was expecting it to be a foul. Um, Schmeichel was very interesting in his post match comments, um, where you know he's uh, he's I kind of enjoyed them because I was like he's he's a little bit bitter here because he's lost and. Leicester keep losing so I did enjoy that but never a foul Ramsey robbed I will say just on Kasper Schmeichel um, he had a torrid time from the Holt end in did the he? second half the minute he, he came out and, and, and ran towards the Holt end he was getting booed he was getting all sorts of uh, chants and, and things which I won't repeat um, but he, yeah, he, he looked shaken as well by it. He, he didn't, he wasn't enjoying standing there in front of fourteen thousand or whatever it is, um, baying Aston Villa fans who were just who were just giving him absolute grief um, for the whole the whole of the the second half, pretty much. And um, you know, he he tried to front it out, but it wasn't happening. And uh, yeah, they, I've, I, it's a long time. I don't think I've ever actually seen. Um, our 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 fans take a player apart quite like that. Um, were they calling him names? Yeah. yeah were they were they yeah. saying things about his physique, perhaps? Um, yes. Yes. Uh, certainly, I, at some point, yeah. All right. Well, um, I, I, a little word on the the goal. Both both that well, that disallowed goal and Buendia slash Konza's goal. A word for Matty Cash. I I dug him out a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I've dug him out for something different today. Um, he's playing very well overall, um, I must say. Uh, let, let me say that first. Uh, Matty Cash, a couple of weeks ago against Brighton, I want to say, um, uh, he got a header at the back post and he, he went for goal. And I was a little bit annoyed because Ings was unmarked on the penalty spot and he, all he needed to do was nod it back and Ings had a tap-in. So it was great to see both those goals, well, both that goal and the disallowed goal, Matty Cash getting into the same position being unmarked, but rather than going for goal with a difficult header, both times he's nodded, nodded it back across the area, leading to to what should have been two goals for Aston Villa. So really pleased for Matt Cash that he seems to be 
um, learning and developing. And obviously, I imagine that was addressed by Steven Gerrard. I'm sure he's an avid listener to the show. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, that that lad on on, on Gather Around the Gaslit Lamp <laughs> said that you should have nodded that back, uh, Matty. So, yeah, can you do that next time? And he did. So, well done, Matt. You know, I, I don't need any credit for it. Um, I'm very... <laughs> It was, it was either you or one of the 25 coaches he's got. Yeah, one, one of us, one of us. Um, so, yeah, so that was pleasing to see. Um, but, but Matty Cash is, as happened with Tarvanier, I may have mispronounced that, Tarvanier at uh, 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 Rangers, is finding himself in all kinds of space due to this system. And, um, you know, Tarvanier had incredible numbers for goals and assists for, for a fullback. So you're just thinking now, if, if Matt Cash can do more of that, more of those nod backs, and, and stop being a little, so rash with the, with the with overhitting the crosses, you know, just just give it a half of the half of the weight, Matty, or or if you can't pick out a man, at least retain possession, you know, bring it back. John McGinn's going to be behind you. Douglas Louise is going to be behind you. I make marvelous. My marvelous goldfish is going to be behind you. Just keep the ball. You don't need to whack it out for a goal kick or whack it out for a throw in on the other side. If he can begin to get just a little bit more composure, um, and, and he can do it, because I, I think when I was talking about this early in the season, he went and hit one in the top corner against uh, Everton, I think, the next game. And then he, he had an assist the game after that. So he, he can do it. He is a converted winger. But I think if he can just get... And I don't want to sound like I'm criticising him, although it does. He's playing so well at the moment. But if he can just get a little bit more composure um, in the final third, particularly with the crossing, you know, he is going to be an absolute superstar yeah. for right back because he's got everything else. Yeah, I think I think we said this at the end of last season when we were talking about um, you know players that need to improve, and we were we were rightly impressed with Matt Cash from a defensive point of view last season he was excellent as part of that back four very very um, very good defensively and we'd really missed him when he wasn't there um, but it was that kind of getting forward and, and, and having that bit more confidence to, to get forward and he is that type of player he wants to do that He you can see that he that's his game really he wants to be getting forward um, I think and I I think he's got the quality as well I think it's. I think it's maybe a little bit of the confidence. Mentality is like a mentality thing because he yeah. seems to like you know a bit of a nosebleed when he's up there. He's like, oh, I need to do something. Let me just hit the ball really hard. Whereas yeah. if he was just able to take a breath and be slightly more considered. And again, we're we're nitpicking now because he's he's probably now becoming Villa's best, the best right back Villa have had in years. Oh, without a doubt, I uh, think he's he's, cer- he's certainly um, he's certainly that he's. he's He's on a different level to anything we've had probably his, since. Uh, his one v one defending is is incredible. Like yeah. he he rarely loses out. Wingers get very frustrated with him. He's like I call him Cash the Rash. There you go. That's a, that's a nickname. He's he's all over you. Like you'd hate to play against him because he's he's fast. He's athletic. He's dogged. He's determined. Yeah. And he hits hard. Like when he tackles you, he he tackles yeah. you. Yeah. He's like a bit of a throwback. So again, it's it's not it's not it's, this isn't a, a, a hating on Matty Cash. It's quite the opposite. He, he is he is Villa's best left right back in a good old long time. But again, if he can just address that uh, that just get a little bit more deftness, a little bit more composure in the final third, then the sky's the limit for him. Definitely, definitely, and the improvement as well. We have to mention, you know, he had an awful start to the season, didn't he? At Watford, he got absolutely rinsed, both him and Matt Target. So yes. Uh, he's certainly, and and I would always say, for fullbacks, I know 
the game has changed. They're becoming more and more influential in the game going forward and that sort of thing, which is great, but they've got to be able to defend first and foremost for me. And, and, he, and, and, and he certainly can do that. Boy, can he do that, yeah. Yeah, uh, which, is, which is great. So... Um, but Gerard, Gerard's men again um, emerged for the second half looking like a different beast and, and took the game to Leicester um, and it was another corner which brought joy as, as Concer headed home at the back post past Michael um, it was officially a brace for Concer although, <laughs> although the first one was a bit a bit of a giveaway really um, as he took his turn really to, to come to the fore in, a, in an attacking sense like, like, like many of the, the other defenders have done so in recent weeks um, it was an impre- impressive turnaround in scoreline and performance um, and Villa could have really added to their lead as, as Watkins and Ramsey missed big chances after that um, it feels like we're, we're very much a second half team so far under Gerrard um, but with three wins out of four it, it seems to be quite effective it is quite effective, but again, Gerard being the professionalist, uh, prof- professionalist, that's not a word, being the perfectionist that he is, um, his, he alluded to this in one of his post-match interviews. I don't know if you saw it. I think he said, I don't want, he said something like, I don't know why I have to put it into their ribs or something, something like that, dig them in the ribs. Why, why I don't, so he's, he's upset about that. Yeah. He's, he's like, I don't know why I'm having to come in at half time and dig you lot out. Just do it for ninety minutes. You can do it, so go do it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Like I have to say, I'm, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to fall too soon. But I'm beginning to be very, very excited actually about Gerard. I, I, I love his intensity. I love his interviews. I love everything he says. He's a much more thoughtful individual than I ever thought that he was. Not that I thought he was, you know, thick as a bag of ro- dumb as a bag of rocks or anything like that. I didn't know him or I wasn't, mm. you know, paying attention to him. You know, if there was a Stephen Gerrard interview, I wouldn't watch it because I wasn't particularly interested in him, um, you know, as, as an Aston Villa fan. But um, seeing him speak now and, and just just the, his considered nature and the way he talks, he's a compelling um, he's a compelling man to, to listen to, and I, I watch every word of his of his interviews now, his post match and his pre match, because I find them to be very interesting. And he's, you know, he, he has not so thinly veiled things that he says. And 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 the other thing he said, you know, he, he dug out a player without naming them or players and said, yes, yeah, some people just aren't buying into what we're doing. So like he is clearly taking no prisoners, and um, that is probably what we need to move on to the next next level maybe i don't like to say it i don't want to say it andy but maybe <laughs> our our mate dino maybe he was a little bit too nice maybe in the end i don't know i think too 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 nice up to a point i think dino could could certainly give them a give them a rocket as well and he he, he had done on occasions um look i mean i think i think what's become clear is that whatever we thought of Dean Dean Smith, and you know we we love Dean Smith, don't we? We do we love Dean do. Smith, um, but it needed a change. It needed it needed an, uh, a new voice. It needed a new approach. Um, and um, Stephen Stephen Gerrard and his staff have certainly brought that. And and um, it's 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 exciting going forward just to think that we've we've won. Th- Three games out of four, and Gerard is is standing there in front of the camera saying, "Yeah, it's not really good enough. Um, we've we've not we've not really performed. We're, n- we're nowhere near the level I want us to be at yeah. as yet." 
things take time, you know, and he acknowledges that as well. He's not expecting miracles. You've got to look at the the personnel available as well. But he's he's. I mean, I want to. I, yeah, we we've talked about him a few times, but I mean, who is this um, world class number six we've signed? Who is he? Well, he's a goldfish, and his name is Marvelous Nakamba. <laughs> It's amazing. Well, th- this is this is it. I, you know, at, at the risk of repeating myself, it, it, it is his his defensive numbers and his, distrib- his 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 breaking up the play interceptions were always amongst the top in the league. Where he was amongst the worst in the league, obviously, was his progressive passes because he's not a goldfish. He is a goldfish, sorry, and goldfish can't climb trees. But Gerard isn't asking him to climb trees. Gerard isn't asking him to pass the ball any further than 10, 15 yards, which he can do, and he can do very, very effectively. But what has changed is sometimes when he'd received the ball in tight areas and teams pressured him, he really looked like a deer in the headlights. Mm. Whereas now, he looks cool, calm, and collected. He's happy to take a touch, move it away, get his body in front of someone, win a foul. Mm. He's always been great at the other stuff. But what the, the big change is, for me, how he seems to be receiving the ball under pressure seems to have gone kind of from really dodgy, like he was really you, you worried for him in any kind of tight midfield area. Um, you know, he's probably a two or three out of ten. To now, he's he's he, he looks more than competent. He's probably like a six or a seven out of ten, and that to me is a crazy change. And it's kind of intangible. There's not less necessarily a stat for that. Like, okay, you can see that that this this he's better now at receiving the ball under pressure, but he just seems to be a lot better in those tight midfield uh, congested areas, and also seems to be much better at playing little one twos as well with with like little give and goes with his other teammates. And again, that all is about team shape and because the, the, the players were much closer to him. Like if, if he has a if, if he has a 25-yard pass to make, you, you're worried for him. Mm-hmm. But when he has a 10, 15-yard pass to make, he, he seems to be doing much better. But yeah, receiving ball under pressure, transformational. I don't know what's happened to him. Yeah, we will certainly miss him when he goes in, in January. And who would have said that? Yeah, exactly. Three weeks ago. Exactly. Um, we would we would have been looking in January really to replace him, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, certainly... Um, even get him out the door, and I know there are there are rumours that there are clubs interested in. in there's in there's always been clubs interested in him. Like he's he's one of the players that always has um, interest. You can see why because he does that side of the game really, really, really well. I mean, I saw some Newcastle rumours um, uh, with Newcastle. I wouldn't let Newcastle near him now. No, no not at all. And I think he'll be. He's going to be such a big part. I think of of um, Stephen Gerrard's plans certainly for this season so I, I don't see him going anywhere other than uh, possibly um, to the African Cup of Nations if it goes ahead but we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see there are rumours about about that really so well yeah the new the new the new Covid variant obviously is um, wreaking havoc with international travel as I can attest to <laughs> and um, obviously with South Africa being the um, you know the first country to to Apparently not the first country that had it, but the first country to come clean that they had it. Um, obviously, lots of the African nations, lots of the countries uh, in that continent uh, are suffering badly and are on lots of the red lists. So it will be really interesting to see what happens yeah. um, in the next few weeks. Yeah, obviously, it's the main thing is is maintaining public public safety for, for now. So uh, football comes a long way down the list um, where that's concerned. Um, but I think it's time... Craig, for a word from our sponsors. It is, you know. Now, uh, anyone, gentlemen, gentlemen, anyone, anyone listening. Obviously, last week I spoke about how it would be when I, I 
got to Villa Park against uh, Leicester City and I, I was there in the ur urinal and um, how wonderful it was going to be for everyone. And um, unfortunately, I was not able to go to the Leicester City game. Uh, due to the aforementioned COVID restrictions, I had to quarantine for two days um, until getting a negative PCR test. So that meant as I arrived on Saturday in England, I could not go to the Leicester City game on Sunday. So I had to watch it on TV. But if you were looking for me in, in the men's room, I don't, I don't want you to be too sad. Because even though I wasn't there physically, I was there in spirit. And do you know what else was there in spirit? Manscaped.com. Because some of our listeners have been buying up those Manscaped 4.0 packages like hotcakes. And you know why they're buying them, ladies and gentlemen? They're buying them because they know that they can have clean, smooth balls. Yes, they can have fresh balls with the wonderful ball deodorant. They can not cut themselves as they have, you know, with a with a with one of the other handheld razors. You know, it can look like a a, a Freddy Krueger movie down there if you're not careful. But with the ceramic blade from Manscaped.com, there are no cuts allowed. There's also a light on the end of it, and you can also use it in the shower, as I have. So all of that pubic hair. <laughs> with all the coagulated fluid in it can just <laughs> wash down the drain into someone else's, you know, into some in, into the sewer and back into the uh, sea from whence it came. And maybe a little fish can make a nest with your pubes. Who knows? But the main thing is all of the Villa fans and all of our wonderful listeners who use manscaped.com, we thank you. Tis the season to be jolly. And if you order now, you can get the perfect Christmas gift for the man or hairy woman in your life. That's with manscaped.com. And we are giving you 20% off and free worldwide shipping when you use our promo code LAMP. That's L-A-M-P. That is a 20% off and free worldwide shipping when you use our promo code LAMP, L-A-M-P, at www.manscaped.com. So it is the first week of... December, just about. December 8th, is it today? 7th? 7th. There you go. December 7th as we are recording. If you order now, you should get those goodies in time for Christmas. You can wrap them up in a bauble. You can put a bow on it. And then you can unwrap some clean, smooth balls on December 25th. You know, by dinner time on December 25th, you can be ready for some Christmas loving. Oh, yeah. There's no loving like Christmas loving with Manscaped.com. Yeah, thank you, Craig. And I'm, I'm, did you mention baubles? <laughs> I Could didn't. I was, I, was, I was convinced you were going to mention baubles. Maybe next week. Maybe <laughs> next week. Maybe next week. <laughs> but this weekend, it's the game, the national media, the, the Liverpool-obsessed national media have been waiting for as Steven Gerrard leads his team out at his former home Anfield as Villa take on Liverpool. After a difficult season um, and the failure to defend their title last season, uh, Klopp's team have started to superbly this campaign and that front three with Mane, Jota and in particular Mo Salah look absolutely deadly. Gerrard will be without Leon Bailey of course and Bertrand Triori uh, whilst we await to hear whether Matt Target will return or whether even Danny Ings might be fit to face his former club. This is a huge test, um, but is there a narrative here, Craig, where a club legend can go back and, and get one over on the club that he's, he's graced um, impeccably for so many years? 
Yeah, I think of course there is. I think that uh, Gerard is, you know, uh, you know, all of my Liverpool mates, um, they're not from Liverpool. They're just glory hunting swines and support Liverpool anyway. Uh, most of them are from Leamington Spa, but that's a different story. Um, yeah, you know who you are if you're listening. <laughs> Got to support your local team, boys. <laughs> anyway, um, they love Steven Gerrard. Steven Gerrard is like datified, like we datify um, Paul McGrath almost. You know, it's that, it's that same kind of thing. Like Gerrard is there, and even more so because he's a local lad, whereas Paul McGrath was obviously uh, an Irish uh, import for us. Um, wonderfully respected, wonderfully loved. Um, I'm just interested to see what happens when Villa score. Because I, I think we'll score a goal. Because I always back a Villa team to score a goal. How does he? Does he celebrate Gerard with the same luster that he did? Uh, you know the goals against uh, Brighton and 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 Leicester in particular. Uh, the last minute, the uh, Ollie Watkins goal. Does he? Does he celebrate with the same luster, or does he? Is he respectful and muted um, to 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 um, to? kind of make sure he doesn't rile any of the people that love him and, you know, obviously his hometown club. Um, yeah, the, the media are, you know, the, there is, there's, there's lots of um, mutual masturbation going on with the Steven Gerrard, Liverpool return. You know, Villa are an afterthought. It's all about Gerrard, the man in Liverpool, the football club. Um, but that might, you know, as, as, as people have alluded to, that might play into Villa's hands. No one's thinking about us. No one's talking about the players we have, the threats that we have, the Brendias, the Ollie Watkinses, the goal-scoring defender Esri Konza. No one's talking about it. So maybe we can sneak into the radar and, and cause an upset. Liverpool have been flying, but they were probably the worst I've seen them against Wolves. So maybe they're, they're, they're coming into a, a bit of a bad moment. I mean, I would have loved to have played, if we talk about the African Cup of Nations, I would have loved to play Liverpool next month when Mane and Salah, uh, uh, well, presumably if it goes ahead, are off. But... Um, that's not going to be the case. Um, but yeah, it is really oh, interesting and frustrating to, 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 to be a Villa fan, I think, at the moment, for me anyway, because it's like, oh, we rank so low on the totem pole here in terms of the national and international coverage. It's like we're an afterthought. And that, to me, is a little bit annoying. But I guess that's what part of what, what having a manager with the, the profile of Steven Gerrard brings, doesn't it? it yeah. We become more of a, um, a you know, a, a, a club that the media are thinking about, and that the the, the football supporting public are thinking about more. Uh, Stephen, you know, I don't like the idea of us being Stephen Gerrard's Aston Villa at, at, at all. I don't like. That well, it all, was always Frank Lampard's Derby County, wasn't it? Exactly, and 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 that, people didn't that, like that. That that rankled with me, and I'm not a I'm not a Derby fan, so uh, <laughs> God knows how they felt, but. Um, well, they probably feel better better than they do now. <laughs> yeah, poss possibly, possibly, but but I think I think um, you know in terms of in terms of Gerard, I hope he's I hope he's he's, he's respectful. I, I don't expect him to ignore the cop. I don't expect him to. You're not expecting to, an Adder by your style knee slide to the uh, cop with Villa get last minute winner. I would say not. I would say <laughs> not. I do think um, different rules kind of um, seem to apply to players and managers when it comes to. Their old clubs and their, you know, and, and things like that. I think you tend to find managers do celebrate goals from the touchline yeah. um, more readily than a player scoring against his old club. I think, I think that's, and and I fully expect when we play uh, Norwich next week, um, if if Norwich score against us, I expect Dean Smith to be oh, uh, to be punching the air as well. My and, uh, heart will sink. <laughs> but um, 
but uh, yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting game. I think I think Gerard will be quietly confident of of of, of causing a bit of an upset here. Um, I think that the you mentioned the Wolves game. I think the blueprint is is West Ham a few weeks ago, and they really did a good job on Liverpool. Liverpool dominated large parts of that game, and West Ham ran out three one winners um, by using the, the counter attack and and a low block. And I think I think Villa could. Could learn a lot from that, and we could we could pull that off because we have we have the players to do that. Well, you, you speak about Dean Smith there, Andy, and uh, if if ever there's a blueprint of what to do to Liverpool, it was Dean Smith had it um, in terms of that seven-two demolition uh, last year. So, uh, you know, speaking of Dean Smith, I mean, that that was absolutely incredible, and that wasn't the Liverpool team that everyone was beating after Van Dijk got hurt and Gomez got got hurt. Van Dijk was playing. Uh, Trent was playing, uh, Gomez was playing. They were all there. They were all playing in that game. And we absolutely demolished them as Aston Villa. And we did it by being absolutely clinical, absolutely direct and exploiting those gaps. You know, Klopp, Klopp even says in interviews, yeah, we leave space. We know we leave space. We know we're vulnerable in certain transitions. Um, but we believe that we it's worth the gamble because we think that we can mitigate the risk and also the rewards as we see by you know, the fact they tend to smash three or four most weeks against their opposition is is worth it. So uh, Dean Smith, I think, laid out the blueprint for how to beat Liverpool. I think that Steven Gerrard obviously probably is very familiar with Liverpool's strengths and weaknesses. He was part of the coaching staff there, albeit for the under-18 team, I want to say. Um, so he'll be more than familiar with the system, more than familiar with the chinks in their armour, but also more than familiar with how their players in the likes of, of, of Mo Salah can absolutely kill you if we uh, if we get caught up the pitch like we did uh, a couple of times against Leicester City. Um, you know, as, 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 as lovely a player as Harvey Barnes is and um, James Madison, they're not in the same class as Mo Salah and Sadio Mane. And uh, so, you know, those are top, top players that will really, really hurt you if you let them. And Diogo Jota as well. I think Jota, he's, yeah. he's having an absolutely tremendous season and uh, really enjoy watching him play. He's a, he's a real, he's a, he's a bit of a throwback himself, I think, in terms of a, a, a forward. And he's been playing in the central role more yeah. um, of late with, with Firmino not being there. So um, tremendous uh front three and you know our boys are going to have to be uh, really really on their game and um, it's going to be a real test of Nakamba's um, true quality I think uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see how he does but you know I think I, I, I'm, I'm quietly confident and I think if if you know if maybe if there are one or two returning players but but generally, I think we're, we're we're on a good we're on a good roll. I think the players know what what they're doing. They know what the task is. Um, they've got a, a good understanding now of what what Gerard's asking them to do, um, and we'll see. But we're, it'll be interesting with the games now coming thick and fast over Christmas, whether the intensity um, can. Um, can last really. Yeah. Um, that'll be that'll be really interesting. Well, it's going to be rotation, isn't it? I think um, is it's going to be key. And and but you know, as I say, we we don't have necessarily enough fit, warm bodies to um, to 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 cope necessarily. So we're going to see some more of the young players, I would imagine. Yeah, and that's that's exciting as well because we all know that we've got a we've got a great. Um, and of course, come January, um, the, the the window will be open, and, and we might see one or two new faces coming in the door. But we'll we'll, we'll we can uh, we can speculate about that further as we go on. But then, of course, next 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 Tuesday, we're uh, 
we're heading heading down to uh, Norfolk to to face Dean Smith's new team. Um, down the A14. Yeah, that's right. There you go. What a what a road that is. Yeah, I think it it, it takes an awfully long time to get there. So oh, it does. It does. <laughs> a Tuesday night's going to be going to be interesting. But um, obviously, we're we're facing Dean Smith for the first time since he since he left us. Um, we have, of course, we faced him before. We we used to lose to him and Brentford on on a regular basis. Lose, back in the lose, lose comfortably as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, I'll never forget that 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 day when we signed Scott Hogan on deadline day, <laughs> yeah. and then they beat us three nil. Um, yeah, yeah marvellous, brilliant. Um, I mean, you know, difficult one to 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 always difficult to kind of talk too much about the the ne- the game after the next game, if you like, but. Um, uh, this is a game, really. We, we surely we should be we should be targeting for three points. Yeah, as as I said, when Dean Smith took over, I think he's done remarkably well to get as many points as he has in his first few games, because I think Norwich are absolutely they're, they're terrible as far as I can see. Um, obviously, Dean Smith is um, is going to have particular motivation. You talk about a player, you know, we talked about Gerard knowing the. Uh, the Liverpool system of the play. No one knows those players more than Dean Smith because he signed every single one of them, bar uh, John McGinn and Jed Steer, I want to say. All of them came in under his watch, so he knows all their strengths, he knows their weaknesses, he knows their quirks, he knows how to um, get at them, uh, probably you know, in terms of as players and also uh, as men. But I don't think he has the tools in his toolbox with that, with that Norwich team. I think they are going down. I think... Um, it will be a miracle if he can keep them up because I, I do think they're that bad and I I would expect a comfortable a comfortable win. I don't think Norwich can handle what we have. No, certainly hope so. I mean, he's, he has had a good start, hasn't he? Yeah, very you know, good, very certainly, good. Certainly um, won the first game and drew the next two and then, then uh, obviously lost to Tottenham at the weekend. But um, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a real difficult challenge now for him to, uh, to, to get out of that situation. But... You know, if you know anything about Dean Smith, you know that he's he's meticulous in he his is. preparation. Um, he he only ever targets the next game, so he's not even thinking about Villa yet. He'll, mm-hmm. <laughs> he'll, yeah. He's got a game first, but you know, he'll certainly want um, want to uh, keep Villa out on 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 his own pitch. And um, well, he will. He'll yeah. want to make a point to the Villa board. There's no way that he, um, you know, he he would have felt, and we felt on this podcast, he deserves some more time. He'll have definitely felt he deserved some more time, and he'll felt that he would have turned it around. Well, he said himself, you know, in his very, um, very nice statement that he released, that I believe when I get my players back, I'm going to do a lot better. Um, so, you know, he'll want to prove a point, and and uh, there can be no better way than taking three points off Villa and saying to the uh, the owners and Perslow, hey, look what you had. It's like a it's like an ex, you know, flaunting a new boyfriend, like a, you know, kissing him over, uh, you know, while looking at you across the room. See what you could have won. Maybe it's not like that. No. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's all very well unless we unless we do uh, give them a hiding. But um, we'll 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 certainly see. It's one of those uh, quirks of the the fixture the fixture list that Stephen Gerrard's um, going back to his old club, and then we're we're facing uh, our old manager um, the, a few days later. So that's that that that's uh, certainly an interesting week coming up. Um, but uh, Craig. Um, Start with Liverpool. Do you want to give me a prediction? It's very tricky away at Anfield. Liverpool are flying, but um, I'm I'm back in. Ste- I'm 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 thinking it's going to be another close one. I think it's going to be similar to the Man City game, two one either way. Um, so let's let's say one one. 
let's say 1-1. Let's say Liverpool are, are in a bit of a space. There's been lots of stuff coming out, I think, about Salah and the contract and him batting his eyelids at Barcelona. So hopefully there's some unrest there and we can cap- capitalise on that. 1-1. Um, one one. Well, I'm going to go for a two one Villa win. I'm, I'm I'm buying fully into the Gerard narrative, and I'm there you go. I'm, I'm going that he's going to uh, he's going to scupper their their title hopes, or you know certainly put it put the skids on it for uh, for the time being. So I'm going to go for a two one Villa win, and I think I'll go first for the Norwich game. I'm going to say four one Villa. Three uh, 0 Villa. Yeah, no yeah. problem. Shouldn't be. Yeah, no, it shouldn't be. I think yeah. I, again. I think my my mate Dino. Um, who I love, I, I I I understand why he took the job and wanted to get back in so soon. But I think that's a, I think that's a um, that's only going one way. That team, I think they've, I think they're just not very good. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. And uh, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's hope next week we're talking about two wins or at least a win and a draw. Yeah. Um, and that would be incredible. What would that be? We've won four out. Of th- we've won three out of four. That would be uh, um, five, four out of six. That'd be yeah. Very good. Absolutely. If we do lose against Liverpool, which we won't. Yeah, set us up nicely for the Christmas period and, a, and another FA Cup tie at Man United, which uh, which is just unbelievable. But um, yeah, thanks. Absolutely brilliant to uh, to actually talk to you in the flesh today, Ooh, Craig. Yes, <laughs> it's been uh, it's been really great, and um, I really exist. You do. You do. I'm a real. I'm a real, <laughs> real person. Absolutely, just a hologram on a screen. But still, no, the Brummy accent hasn't quite come back yet. No, give me another couple of days with my mum and dad. It'll be it'll be back in in, in earnest. <laughs> but um, yeah, thanks. It's been it's it's been great, great to meet up, and and thanks to everyone for for listening. Um, like we say, if you want your Manscaped products for Christmas, get onto manscaped.com uh, and you can order them uh, with twenty percent off and free worldwide shipping uh, with the code Lamp L A M P. Um, also, if you want to follow uh, under a gaslit lamp, um, you can you can search for us on all the all the social media platforms um, and give us a like. And also head over to under underagaslitlamp.com for all the latest articles and writing around the first team, the academy, and the Villa women. Um, but other than that, if you're going to Liverpool and Norwich um, or either or, um, have a great time. Bring back the points. Um, And of course, take care, stay safe and up the villa.